All right, you're going to want to make your way back into the auditorium here. You do not want to miss one moment of our extra special guest speaker. Uh, would you please welcome Anita Shirley up to the front this morning? Now, to give you a little, I'm just going to give you a brief background, and Anita's going to share a story, but we've been talking about uh, values as a church and what we value, uh, you know, some key things. And today, Anita's going to be sharing with you the value of generosity. Generosity is one of the values that we hold. And Jay and Anita have been just rock star examples of that to us. Uh, you know, some of us younger leaders and the church as a whole over the years, and she'll share some of those stories with you. But we really appreciate Jay and Anita and, and how much they've sown into us for, what, how many years did you say? 30 years they've been a part of the church here since we were very, very uh, small and uh, have grown with us. And so we just appreciate them. I'm going to pray for Anita real quick, and then we'll get started. All right. So, Lord, we thank you for... Anita and Jay, thank you for the Shirley family and the blessing that they've been to us as a congregation over the years. And Lord, we thank you for this, this valuable and powerful message that you've sown into them and demonstrated through their testimony and through their lives. Lord, you've showed yourself so powerfully in that regard. And so, Lord, we pray today that as family and friends gathered together to hear from Anita, Lord, that you would help her to articulate what you put on her heart. Lord, that the, the key things that you want to share today would come through powerfully, Lord. Just guide her, Lord, and we praise you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You guys, I am so excited to be able to share with you, uh, particularly, like he said, about this core value. I, I really believe that I have something to share that is crucial for you to become what God's called you to be. So I'm really excited to get to that. Before I do, though, some of you guys might not know me at all. So just a quick background. I, Jay and I have been married for 34 years. He's usually the cowboy at the back or the one in camo, <laughs> one or the other. We don't often, people don't often see us together, but we have been married happily for 34 years. We have three natural kids and a few walk-ons that have lived with us over the years. And then we have eight grandkids that are all running around this place. We got married when I was 18 and Jay was 20. And we knew everything that we needed to know about marriage and money and raising kids. Anybody relate? <laughs> You're the only one that maybe you had it, right? Okay, that was busted, and we'll get to that. And like uh, JR said, we've been here for 30 years, 30 of those 34 years. So really, we've grown up here. You guys have raised us as a family. You've helped us raise kids. This is the place that really has changed a heritage. So thank you. There is a bet going <laughs> that I will cry. We'll see who wins. <laughs> so when we came to Mount Helena years ago, the core values that we've been talking about really were what drew us in. The one, the number one back then was that authentic and real. I watched people appear everywhere. They were real about their messes. And so it let me be real about my messes. And I did have them, even what I said earlier. Yeah, that was a lie. Because we, we came to Mount Helena messy, but we saw people be real about it. And it really, it drew us in quick, really quick. 
It was like the hook that got us. But this, this one, generosity, is something I noticed right off the bat. And if you've ever been around someone, or maybe someone's been generous to you, or you've just been around someone who's generous or joyful or, or whatever, and you're like, man, I want to be like that. That's what I want to be like. I, I want to do that. Well, generosity was one of those things that I noticed, and it caught me like that. Uh, the first time I noticed it was when, well, probably not the first, but one of them was we used to own a building um, that is now the Catholic school up on the Upper West Side. We used to own that. We used to have a school back in the day. But when we were no longer doing the school, it just didn't make sense to have the building. So we sold it. When we sold it, as a congregation, we gave significant amounts of that money to six other pastors here in Helena just to encourage them. That was amazing. There was a time when, uh, I don't know why, but a bunch of us, including me, had toilet troubles. I don't know, it's, it was a contagious thing at the time. But there would be toilets that would just show up at someone's house. When there was somebody moving, there would be hordes of people that would show up to move that person. If a car was needed, a car would show up. And, and if there was a call from the front for an offering that was for a family or an extra offering or whatever, it would be ridiculously large for a very small amount of people at that time. That caught my attention. So it's a core value that's not just spoken. It's, it's actually it's part of us. It's actually part of our DNA. I do, however, um, this whole um, generosity, you know, you think of money, but it's so much more. But it's through money in my story that God actually taught me about generous living. So that's the part that you're going to hear the most. But it is so much more than money. It's really living open, wide open, your life wide open, open with your time, even when it's not convenient, open with your forgiveness, even when the world says, mm -mm, you don't need to forgive that. That's generous grace, right? It's, it's living, giving time to your, your, uh, your kids, your spouse, when it's really not what you want to do. That's selfless generosity, right? It's seeing someone who needs healing, and you don't know them, and you pray for them anyway. That's courageous generosity. But it's in the small things. It's seeing somebody at the grocery store and actually stopping for a conversation instead of acting like you didn't see them because you're in a hurry. I'm guilty of that. It's thinking of someone. They come to your mind, and you send them a card. It's that waitress who wasn't all that good, who was tired and overwhelmed, and you leave her a ridiculous tip again to encourage her. That is generous living, and it's just love out loud. So God did teach us through money, though, and I do want to teach or uh, share on that part. The ground-level belief that God had to really work, me personally, is, is God generous. No, really. When I was um, being raised, my mom was a single mom. She worked hard. But there was three of us kids, and there was lack. And so somewhere along the line, I believed a lie that God was stingy, that he had his hands folded a little bit, waiting for us to work hard enough, pray enough, be good enough, fast enough, and then he would show up. So God showed me and had to deal with that. And I was never enough. I was never enough to get God's attention. That not enough 
thinking is actually poverty thinking. So I'm going to teach a little bit or speak a little bit about poverty, but I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about lack of money or poor. Poor and poverty often get like put in the same bucket, but I've known a lot of poor people that usually in other countries who are the most generous. What they do have, they give. They live wide open. They just might not have a lot of money. Poverty thinking is actually a way of thinking that says it is not enough. There's a definition there that says the state of being inferior in quality or insufficient in amount, not enough. That sounds a lot like insecurity. It also means scarcity, storage, hoarding is actually poverty thinking, inadequacy, absence, lack, want, deficit, not enough. And it bleeds into every relationship. My boss isn't enough. My job's not enough. They don't appreciate me enough. My spouse isn't enough. He doesn't love me enough. My kids, my, my friends at life, I'm not enough. Poverty thinking is a stronghold, and it was for us, a stronghold where you filter your thinking, and so really then God's not enough. Right? So generosity, so back to the question, well, before I do that, though, I've got to tell you this story about Mike Bollinger. Mike Bollinger was on our leadership team for a time in Mount Helena, and he spoke on this poverty thinking. And I don't remember everything he taught. I don't remember all the details. But I do remember that he talked about that mindset where you hang on to your money because it's not enough. You hang on to your time. Man, you just don't have enough. You hang on to your hurts. You hang on to whatever, and you hang on tight to whatever you, you're given in life, but you're hanging on like this, and then you're going, God, I need a rescue. Would you rescue me? Would you, would you pour out? Would you help me pay this bill? Would you help me get out of debt? But you're living like this, and so he might be pouring out, but it has nowhere to land. So generous living is living like this. Yeah. What you've got, it flows. It flows. But it has a place to land. God's grace, God's abundance, it has a place to land, and then it flows. Lands, flows, lands, flows. And so even now today, when I start feeling kind of, gosh, I just feel so overwhelmed, and, and I don't have enough time for that, and I'm, you're asking too much, and I can feel my hands. So poverty is doing this. Generosity is doing this. So back to the question, is God generous? Generosity means liberality. Okay, so there's also another thing about me is I don't pronounce everything really clearly. So just read that one. Lavishness, <laughs> lavishness, open-handedness, bounty, unselfishness, and princeliness. It's all over in the Bible. When I was preparing for this, I actually said, God, just show me your generosity. This one morning, show me where you're generous in the Bible. And it was in Proverbs, it was in Psalms, it was in Numbers and Deuteronomy, where I was at the time. It's everywhere. It's in every chapter. It's in every season that God is taking his people through. It's everywhere. From the garden, when he sets it up for us, all the trees and the fruit and the, the animals and the springs and the rivers, it was gorgeous, right? He did that for us. He didn't have to. He created it. So from there... 
to even the times when we're disobedient. When the Israelites were disobedient, they had God had captured them out of Egypt and then taken them to the promised land. They get right to the banks of the promised land, and then they hear of the giants and the things that were big and scary. And, and so they are like, no, we're not going there. We're not enough. God's not enough. And so they wandered in the desert for 40 years. But even there, their shoes didn't wear out. There was no stores. Their clothes didn't wear out. And the manna that was the food from heaven that, that came down and it rested on the like dew in the morning, and they would collect that manna every day for their food. In Joshua, there's a place where it says the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land. When they went into the promised land, the day after, the manna ceased. He, even in the place of their disobedience, their wilderness, he took care of them. So Jesus, what about him? In Acts 10.38, talk about an example. So it says, so God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Stop right there. That same Holy Spirit and that same power he anointed us with. Remember, Jesus said, uh, he was ascending to the Father, and he said, hey, go wait. Go wait for the gift, because I'm going to go ask the Father to baptize you with it, right? The Holy Spirit. So it's the same Holy Spirit, same power. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That word, doing good, in the Greek, of which I didn't even write down. There's no way I was going to pronounce that. Doing good, it actually means philanthropist. Or, I'm sorry, philanthropic. I had to work on that one, too. Phil philanthropic, which means someone seeking to promote the welfare of others, especially donating money to good causes, generous, and it means the love of humanity. And we all know that word, philanthropist, right? That's a that generous people or the generous foundations that always go around giving money. Jesus, that's went about doing that and setting people free. So he's our first example. And then our him, you know, he died on a cross for us, you guys, just like we were singing. He died on a cross and he rose so that we could be adopted in as sons and daughters. In Romans 8, it says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption, as sons of which you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also. When the Walds um, adopt their children and they get the Wald name, they just don't get a name. They get everything that comes with that all the spiritual heritage, and everything financial. They get it all. It's part of their heritage now, their lineage. Same with us, you guys. When we give our life to Christ, and he is now, we are now adopted in, we are heirs. It's in our bank account. We might not access it as much as he'd like us to, but we have, we have that bank account. We are now heirs. God, you guys, lavishes his generosity. So then what about us? 
Proverbs 3.9 out of the Passion Translation says, Glorify God with all of your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then in every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. So a little bit of our backstory. So Jay and I both come from families that really lived month to month, which is, that's not a problem, but we really had that poverty mindset. That was, it's just what we knew. Even looking back, our families, they lived in that mindset of not enough. And so when we got married, I was pregnant, and then we had two more right away, and we started working hard at just doing life. Jay was in retail, and I did I did just whatever work I could put my hand to and raise kids. And we moved on to this street on Garrison here in Helena. Cassie was about three years old. Our neighbors to the left and to the right, they were just like us. We were so broke. We would borrow each other's ketchup. If I'd come home and it was gone, I knew that it was in somebody's fridge because they needed it. We would borrow whatever, and we just knew. It was an open-door policy. We uh, would write checks. I would write a check to Fawn, and Fawn would write a check to Tammy, and Tammy would write a check to me, and we would just hope that a paycheck would show up before everything landed. I think that's illegal, so don't do that. (laughs) We would put the rent check in the power bill envelope to buy us time, and at least they knew we were trying. We were so broke. We went to dinner the other night with these uh, same couples, the Gateses, the Polks, and the Shirleys that were all on that neighborhood. You probably know them. And we actually got to go to dinner at the Wasweiler, and we could afford it. But we talked about the stories from Garrison. We were so broke, but side note, if you're going to be broke, do it with a group of people. Oh, my gosh, the fun we had. You guys, the memories that we made on that street, I wouldn't trade for anything. I wouldn't trade it. So during that time, uh, we went on a camping trip, and those three families, and the guys had the kids off in rafts or whatever, fishing, I don't know. They were out of the campsite, started to drizzle rain. So we got in Tammy's broken-up old camper, and we had started following Christ. And we really knew we had to get ourselves together in this financial stuff. We knew we were a mess. It wasn't a secret. So we had all gotten Larry Burkett workbooks. Now, he was the Dave Ramsey of the day. And so we sat down in that camper, and he had us list out our debts and our responsibilities. And then he talked about this thing called tithe. Vaughn said the other night, she said, I don't even know. I didn't even know how to spell it. I still get that mixed up. Anyway, so it talked about this tithe, but he talked about why. And what got us, it was the idea that we were basically stealing from God if we didn't tithe. Now, where Larry got that was out of Malachi 3.7. And it says, ever since the time your ancestors have turned, or ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my ways and you've not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how will we return to you? He comes right back and says, well, will God rob man, or will man rob God? And yet you rob me. And you ask, well, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, the whole family of you, because 
you are robbing me. Bring that whole tithe into the storehouse that they may have food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there won't be room enough to store it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops and the vines from your field, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord. We committed right there. Right there. But seriously, there wasn't enough money. Anybody relate to that? You list it out, and it's, the balance sheet just doesn't work. But Larry said, put it first. The word also says that. Put it first, your first fruits. So we did. We tithed first. Now, during that time, Jay was not a believer yet. He came a few years after that, so he didn't agree with tithing. So I did it anyway. I told you I was a mess. Anyway, but there would be there would be times when I wouldn't. It was like, okay, he doesn't agree, so I won't. And it became really obvious the times, the seasons when I would tithe and the seasons I wouldn't. It was so obvious that I I showed Jay the books. Look, how do you want to live? This is how it works doing this, and this is how it works doing that. And he actually be- agreed to tithing before he was even a believer. It was that obvious. But that was the smallest of beginnings. And we grew in this trust thing. We had watched him rescue us over and over again. There was a time when Jay was between jobs for a few months and there was no income. There was another time when we were headed into foreclosure because of our own stupid unsteroids. Remember the, yeah, anybody relate to that? There's times when you're just stupid on steroids and you have to walk through the consequences of that, right? Sometimes you do. However, there wasn't a time that our our table went without food. At one time, I even looked back and I was trying to do a budget for the year. And so I was I was calculating everything that we had done in a year for food, you know, grocery list or bills. And there was this month in August, there was no groceries bought. It was totally, there was nothing. I even asked Jay, do you remember us not having food that month? And he's like, no. So even in our wilderness, there was manna. So we began to look at this lordship thing just a little bit more serious. What he is not lord of, it likely is lord over you. We didn't have a financial problem. We had a lordship problem. There was this time when um, my mom uh, did the whole mom thing. And I was my mother. She lived with us. She lived in the a basement apartment. And at this time, I was mucking out the boys' bedroom. They were in junior high, high school. You know how that can get. And so I had the mama moment. I was going to take care of this, whatever was coming, that smell, and I was going to get it, right? So I was I was hucking. I had brought boxes down, and I was filling garbage. And there was a, a box by the back door. I was just adding to it. This is going to the garbage. And my mom comes in from somewhere to go down, and she said, what's this? And I said, oh, it's a box from the guy's room, I'm or the boy's room, and I'm mucking, I'm going to throw this stuff out. And she looks through it, and she kicks it, and she said, Nita, there's money in here. I said, oh, it's just pennies. And she said, Anita, God is not going to trust you with more until you are faithful with little. You guys, God doesn't need our 10%. It's the pennies. We don't need it. The church doesn't need it. 
to pay the bills? Is he Lord of your life in every area? And tithing is just a way to see if he is. Money, really, it's not just tithing, it's money. It's just the way to see if he is Lord of your life in every area. And tithing is just an acknowledgement. Hey, you're Lord, this is yours, I'm going to acknowledge this. So this lordship thing. There was a time when God really revealed to me, really unlocked lordship. And it was during a time when, as a church, we were experiencing experiencing renewal. It was a real intense time of the Holy Spirit. Was anybody here during that time? Yes, yes. Mary Gay, I saw you up here worshiping. I know you were there. Anyway, during that time, God really got a hold of my heart on this, this lordship. It was those Friday night worship times when he would just undo me on the floor, and he really got a hold of my heart with lies that I believed, and I was living like they were true, and that's actually the time when he really unlocked the, am I good? Am I generous? Do you trust me? It was when the question started. Now, I don't live this out uh, perfectly. I'm along the same road with you guys in all of this. I'm just, it's just part of our journey. He took me into this place where I found the intimacy in this love of God became an obsession, and I really loved his delight over my life. And I wanted, I wanted all of him. He, he had all of me. And at, at that point, he, he, it was like, um, I don't know, he got full access. The doors came open. He had full access. He got access to my time, to my money, to the broken parts that were in me, to things like this. If he put his finger on something, I became willing, like this, speaking in front of people. New things, new adventures, like uh, life houses. My husband and I are involved in a nonprofit for young adults that mentor, mentors them into being credible people. All of that came through that time, really, because willingness. Now, I wanted to be willing no matter what he asked me for. So this lordship, though, you guys, it's not a dictatorship. It's a love affair. It's, it's grace. It's the dance of grace. It's, it's a partnership. It's a giving he wants part, partnership with you in your life. So at that time, during those years, um, back to the tithing, we did. We started tithing regularly. I mean, it just became part of our life. And we saw him rescue us time and time again. And we did start to get wisdom, just, you know, somewhere in there. But then he tricked us. When we sold the building up there on the west side, we became couch surfers as a people. <laughs> Not really, but we didn't have a building, and so we would set up camp at different places we would rent. We were at a school for a while. We were at the Myrna Loy. We were in the basement of a building, and we would set up every Sunday morning for church for a season. But there came to a point when it was like that, that needed to end. We could feel God wanted us, we felt like God wanted us to acquire this building. At that time, it was just a warehouse of, of tires. So it was a really, really big risk financially. So we, as a group, as a family, um, began this, what we called the giving campaign. And we met a lot in Austin. And we just, we dived into the word and, and to find out what God might say about generosity. We fasted as a family. We prayed together. And then we were to individually, our families were to individually go back and pray and hear from God on what 
number we could commit so that we knew as a, as a family, can we even afford this? So we did. So Jay and I can influence each other a bit. So we fasted and prayed separately and then came together with our number. I was doing that, praying, and I was getting a ridiculous number that was more than we made in a year. So I was counting on Jay's number. So when we, when we came together, I was like, okay, what's your number? Oh, no, what's your number? Oh, no, what's your number? It was the same number. But it was so obviously God. So it's like, okay, we're going to commit to this. Well, at that same time, about that same time, we had just started this lighthouse thing, and we had taken on two mortgages. We hadn't had a fundraiser. We were just developing a board. We had two mortgages that the kids, uh, the, the young people in the house, they do pay rent, but if there's a room empty or there's extra expenses, it was coming out of us all at the same time, which we were like, okay, we're doing this. We're doing this. I had just gotten into real estate. It, it, we could kind of see maybe if it will work. Then 2008 happened. 2008 was when that stock market fell. In real estate, my phone quit ringing for a few months. And it was like, oh, crap. But we had committed. So above our tithe, we would pay an extra $25, extra $100, whatever we could do to start it, um, kicking away that campaign, that commitment, that vow, that thing that we agreed to, right? So we started just poking it at it, getting it down. Pretty soon, my phone's ringing, but it's ringing a little more noticeably more than other people in my office. So it was like, huh. So we did a little bit more. Huh. You know that scripture that says, uh, that we read earlier, and it says, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough for it. He is so faithful. Now, during that time when it would slow down, or there'd be a moment when it's like, okay, is it, it going to happen? He would, it was like he cleaned the corners of our heart of this poverty thinking. Because I would hear, I'd be driving going, is this going to work? And uh, Anita, am I good? Anita, can you trust me? Yes. So we kept inching away at that campaign. What happened by the end of it is we had dipped in to God's economy. If I could convince any of you, get in to God's economy. It is so much better than ours. So much better. We figured out that you cannot outgive God. I dare you to try. So it was no longer 10%. He had full access. He still has full access. It's his. What's cool is we just get to manage it and steward it. But it's really up to him what comes in and goes out. I do want to say, yes, test him in this. I dare you to try, absolutely. But he is not a slot machine. There are some things that I had to learn in this. It's not a pull the handle and out comes the money. It's not this formula. It's, it's more than that. You guys, there are some times when I have sown in an area and somebody else gets the harvest. 
Am I going to celebrate that when I'm still waiting? And there's sometimes the harvest takes a little bit longer than you had on your schedule. And there's sometimes when he says, no, no, I, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to give there. But wait, what? I don't know everything. I don't know all things. So sometimes I can get in the way when God's trying to work out a situation with a family or with an individual. And so that it's really lordship even in the giving. There was a time uh, last year that J.R. had called from the front for an offering for the global church, uh, regions beyond for a global offering. And it was like almost instantaneously or God set it up. He, he asked for that. And then we had, as a church, had a goal that we were trying to reach. Hey, we'd, we'd like to raise this much for this global offering. I didn't have a closing for that entire time. I didn't have, it was like in that season, I would have closings that would drop off. Like there'd become difficulties and it wouldn't happen. Or I just, they weren't there. And my giving account was empty. And I was like, wait a minute, there's an offering. And I pouted. I even called JR. I was frustrated. I did not get it. Then God whispered. One Saturday, one Saturday morning, I was just like, okay, God, come on. What is that? By the way, you guys raised more and over in abundance what our goal was. But we had to sit out. So God whispered. Not. <laughs> Your giving has become a place of pride. Partner with me. Oh even in this, so that it remains a blessing and not a sin. I don't need your money, Anita. Giving is just another place of worship and intimacy with me, so let's keep it that way. Okay, I lost. <laughs> Ouch, you guys. But God is so, his mercy is even in his correction. He is after our hearts. He's after our motivations. It's not about money. It's He's after our, our heart of generosity because that's his heart. His heart is generosity. That's what he's after in us. He wants to pull it on out. All things God is after our heart. I want to read a scripture and then I'm going to close up here. It's out of, again, the Passion Translation. It caught my attention because the, the title says Hilarious Generosity. So, of course, I have to read it. It says, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart and not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. All because God loves a hilarious generosity. Love that. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every good form of grace so that you will not, or that you will have enough for everything, every moment, and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Just as the scripture says about the one who trusts him, because he is sown extravagantly, and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. 
This generous God who supplies abundant seed to the farmer, which becomes our bread, is even more extravagant toward you. First, he supplies every need, plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it. He multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take our gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. Rachel Hickson, I came across this phrase. I was reading through some of her stuff. And she was ta- she, Rachel Hickson has prophetically spoken in Helena and in this church. There's just prophetic words that I'm still praying um, that she has spoken here. And she said that Helena will be the church of the overflow. I think that's what God wants from us, that we would be a church of the overflow. Yes, in money, but in so all those other ways. So what are those areas in your life that you just need to settle? Do you need to settle what you believe about God? I did. I had to. I still am. What lies am I believing about God and his generosity or even just God in the way that he is? And what areas in your heart and in your life is he wanting to touch? Is it your, is it your money, your forgiveness, your family? There might be areas that he wants to flow through you in his generosity that will the, touch the broken, the overwhelmed, the tired. I heard recently that bold faith stands on the shoulders of quiet trust. I think you could also say that bold generosity stands on the shoulders of radical trust. I believe that God is calling us as a people to radical trust. Money is one of those equal opportunity things. We all want more. We all want to be more faithful. And so I would really like to pray for you in this area. Would that be all right? Stand to your feet. Let's do that. So Lord God, full access. Full access to this people. Lord, we... We really want you to love this community through us in hilariously wonderful, lavishing ways. And so, Father, full access. Cause us to be a people that live generously with love out loud. And, Lord, I know that there's people in this room that are in that place on garrison. Lord, there's always seasons that we go through where there is lack, and that's all you can see. So, Lord, I pray that you will invade those places for those people. Lord God, that you would cause generosity to flow from their their very being and that they would see with their eyes your generosity. Lord, would you um, give raises and bonuses and hereditary um, inheritance? Would you lavish on us, Lord, so that we can lavish on the broken? Lord, have our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.